Hello, my friends. This is Dan Jones with another quiet talk to share with you today. If you listen often to these talks, you know that I am an admirer of the Apostle Paul. I think he was the greatest Christian who ever lived, although he himself wrote that we shouldn't compare ourselves with each other. Paul's last letter was to his young protege, Timothy. He had met Timothy on his second missionary journey when he was in Eastern Asia Minor and taken him under his wing. Timothy became the most valuable member of Paul's team. He said of him to the Philippians, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Now, that's high praise coming from this mighty warrior for the gospel. In the second chapter of that final letter from prison in Rome, Paul said to Timothy, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. You don't hear a lot about hardship from our pulpits today. I mean, nobody likes hardship. I wouldn't wish hardship on anybody. We live in a blessed country, and we want all the blessings to keep flowing. But Paul calls, calls on this young minister, whom he loved like a son, to suffer hardship. I'm sure, like me, you hear many commercials from different sources. One of the lines you hear a lot is, you deserve whatever. You deserve a luxury vacation, or you deserve this gourmet ice cream, or you deserve to be pampered at this day spa. I'm sure this appeals to a lot of people, but my question is, why does anybody think they deserve luxury and pleasure? When Jesus came to save us from our sin, he didn't do it because we deserve it. He did it because of his mercy on unworthy sinners. That's you and me, by the way. We don't deserve pleasure. We deserve the eternal wrath of God. But again, in the words of St. Paul, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Rich in mercy. What a beautiful thought. To bring us this mercy, Jesus Christ, the Holy One, the eternal Son of God, who had existed forever at the right hand of the Father in heaven, became a human being and suffered unspeakable hardship and agony to set us free from sin, from its power and its eternal consequences. Now he has called us to follow him and to endure hardship and difficulty in this world so that we might gain a reward in heaven, a reward that will never fade away. When I was growing up, our church had a lot of missionaries who came through sharing their ministries and showing us slides and movies of the people and places to which they'd been called. Many of them endured difficult conditions on the mission field. I sort of got the idea that suffering hardship was the norm if you were a foreign missionary, but if you stayed here in the U.S., you didn't have to worry about things like that. Then as I grew older, I began to see preachers on television talking about how God wanted everybody to be rich, 
One famous man said, It was definitely God's will for every Christian to own at least two houses. He based that on Mark 10, where Jesus said to his disciples, There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters, etc. So based on that part about receiving a hundredfold now in this time houses and so forth, every Christian should own at least two houses because The promise is in the plural houses. That's at least two. Now, I'm not going to take the time to go into why this simplistic interpretation is wrong, but just let me point out that at the end of Hebrews 11, after listing all the heroes of the faith, the writer briefly touches on those faithful ones who wandered about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, destitute and afflicted. I guess they'd qualify for the prosperity view if they had at least two caves to hunker down in. But the way of Christ, the way of the cross, is the way of hardship. I realize that this is not a popular teaching. I I may have lost some folks already. You know, I don't usually give titles to these talks until after they're written and recorded, so maybe I'll try to give one of those tricky titles to entice people to listen. Of course, if you're listening, I've already titled it, so whatever. I've never lived in a cave, but I've had to move out of houses with my wife and children, not knowing where we were going next. I hope you never have to experience that. But I can say that God has always been with us through good times and through hardship. As a matter of fact, he seems to be with us in in an even more tangible way during the hardship. We humans tend to get spiritually lazy in the good times. We need to learn what Paul learned. In Philippians 4, he wrote, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What did he mean? What did he mean? I know how. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. Paul certainly went through a lot of lean times, but he sometimes went through periods of relative abundance when one of the churches he planted sent him a generous offering. He didn't just mean, I know how to save up in the good times so I can get through the lean times. It's certainly good to do that, but I don't think that's what he had in mind. What Paul meant was that his joy had nothing to do with how much money he had at any given time. When he was in want, he was full of joy and thanksgiving to God. That was because Jesus was always with him. And he he knew that he was going to have great treasure in heaven. When he was going through good times, he didn't let that distract his heart from complete devotion to the one who laid aside the glories of heaven to come here to save us sinners. Paul wrote a rather extended passage about the importance of giving in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. In that passage is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Listen. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. 
Do I even need to comment on that? If God's only son was willing to leave heaven behind to come here to suffer hardship, rejection, and ultimately the horrible death of Calvary to deliver us from sin, why would I ever in my life for one minute complain about anything Jesus would call on me to sacrifice? It's unthinkable. But of course, sometimes I do complain, perhaps just to the Lord, but still. My prayer for my own life is that there would never be anything I would refuse to give up, no difficulty I would ever refuse to endure for the sake of my blessed Savior, who left behind the riches of heaven to become poor here on earth so I could be rich. I trust this is your desire as well. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, you sacrificed your Son. You gave him up. You sent him into this world to become one of us, to suffer the things that we suffer, to be rejected, to know the death and the pain of Calvary, the awful weight of the sin of the world upon himself. And you did it because you love us so much, not because we are worthy. So, Father God, I pray that you would inspire us to be willing to suffer any sort of hardship, deprivation, whatever it might be, for the sake of Jesus Christ, knowing that we have treasure in heaven if we follow Jesus here on earth. Thank you, dear God, for your love for us. And I pray you'll bless my listeners today in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear friend, some of us are uh, involved in the difficult task of planting a new church congregation in the Schenectady, New York area. Our fellowship is called Bread of Life Anglican Church, and we have a wonderful group of people that love the Lord Jesus Christ, that are willing to to do what it takes to see his work go forward in that area. So please pray for us. And if you're in that area, if you don't have a church home, but if you'd like to visit with us, we meet Sundays at 10 o'clock in the morning at the American Legion Hall, which is at 1809 Union Street, in Schenectady. We would love to meet you if you're in that area. And as always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God richly bless you.